And I fully believe um, we're living in the last days. I don't know for some people are like, okay, that's just weird. Um, biblically speaking, going across, uh, into what the Bible says of watching for the signs and things like this is just so many things going around us. But I also believe that God could come back tomorrow, today, or 10 years from now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Bible didn't give us a, a time. He just said to be ready because he's going to come at an hour that you think not. That's what we know. He's going to come at an hour that you're not expecting it. But I've often thought when it comes to this, man, things are changing so rapidly. What does tomorrow hold? Have any of you guys ever thought, man, if things continue, I worry for tomorrow. I worry for the next generation. You guys know what I'm saying? Uh, We saw three TV commercials last night that I was watching. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just like things that just like. Uh, the, the world has changed so much and things that would never be happening in our culture are changing around us. And people have said, man, I have deep concerns. I worry about the future of the church. I worry about the, the next generation. I worry about my kids. And I know this. I, I can promise you this. If the church gets away from the priorities that God has given us, we will fail as a church. Priorities, what matters, what's number one, what, what's a, above everything else. And by the way, if you and your family or in your home, you get away from the priorities that God has established for you as a Christian or as a father, as a mother, you will fail in your role as a Christian, as a leader in your home. Because it doesn't work when we do things our way and not God's ways. It's amazing how we can get our priorities out of whack and we don't see it up front. You know what I'm saying? For some people, things will get out of whack and it will be like... um, I was like, man, I'm going to switch this around in my life. Or that's not a big deal. Or, I, that, that's not as important. I think even COVID has set us up for doing some of those things. Or they're not as important or not as vital. So we move things around in our lives. But you don't feel it here. It's down the road. And we're like, how did I get to this spot? How, how, did, how did I mess up my marriage so bad? How did I mess up my family so bad? Or how did my kids? And then and God brings us back and says, you remember when I said this is a must? You've got to do this. This is a guarantee that must be in your life. And you take it out. It doesn't work. I, 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 let me illustrate it like this. And I know we're busy people. I'll tell you what, we're a busy culture. Very busy but let's throw a scenario at it. You can just see how you guys do with this, okay? Let's say you wake up and you have a, your, your day off. Let's make it Saturday, okay? You have Saturday and you have four major things that you have to do in that day. You, you have to pick up the groceries. You have to stop by and, and, and get your medicine from the pharmacy. You, you, have to, um, you have to pick up the kids from wherever they're at, sports or whatever. You have to get gas because you're on empty. Which one is the most important? You have to get the gas. That's probably people speaking from experience in here. How many of you guys have ever ran out of gas? Just be honest. Be honest. You ran out of gas because you push yourself to the point where you say, I've got this, or you know how those guys are. We're like, I know my car. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know how much is left in there. And, and, and that's all cool until you're walking, okay? And then, then it's not cool anymore. I remember one year, me and Jenny were coming back from a Christmas Eve thing. It was like midnight. We ran out of gas. 
It did not make for a jolly night, okay? It was not a fun thing to do on Christmas Eve. It was not fun at all. But what you do is you realize at the beginning and say, man, I've got a lot to do and I'm so busy and I need, I need, I need. And you realize I can't do those things unless I do this thing first, which is stop, get gas in my tank so that I can accomplish these things. All right, let's be real. You don't stop and you're thinking, man, I'll get, or there's a gas station over there where I'm picking up the kids and you push yourself and then you run out of gas and you're stuck in that parking lot or you're stuck in that place. Then what happens? Here's what happens. You're sitting there thinking, I don't have time for this. This is not a good time. I still have to pick up the kids. Oh, I'll call so-and-so. Hey, can you, oh, now you're busy. Now I need you. Now they want to answer their phone. And and then it's like, I've got to be here and I've got to pick this up in order to start dinner. And oh, we want to have dinner tonight. And now I'll have to, and all of a sudden from you getting your priorities out of whack, it brings stress, anxiety, pressure, headache, frustration, guilt, regrets, all because you got your priorities out of order. It happens to all of us. Feel embarrassed. How did I get there? Well, how did this happen? I'm going to be honest. We live in the day and age that anxiety rules in American homes. I'm not saying every American home, but I am saying as for a whole, it's amazing how big of an issue this is of people just dealing with anxiety. It's the idea, and I'm talking teens, I'm talking kids, I'm talking about adults, I don't care what age or what walk of life you're in, anxiety rules in our lives. It's the idea that I can't catch up, I can't keep up. I'm falling apart, or I feel like I'm falling apart. I'm running on empty. At any moment, everything's going to fall apart. I can't take this. Anxiety, it's... You go to bed feeling tired, but you also think of all the things you still have to do, and then you just get worked up over it. We're, we're only made to handle so much. Because understand, humanly speaking, you're only created by God to handle so much. But what we do in our life is we overfill our schedules or put demands on us that we weren't created to have, and then we cap out or we go past that threshold that we have in our lives, and then we fall apart. It's like trying to push a car on empty. Eventually, it's going to stop. You know why? Because it wasn't created to operate that way. Jesus addresses this issue and this encounter with him. In Luke chapter 10, you want to follow along with me, I'm going to give you some background. I love, I love going back in the chapter and then building up to it. So let's see what Jesus is talking about. And some of these words I'm going to ask you guys to help me with, okay? So uh, we've got this background. We're, we're about to read about Mary and Martha. We've already studied them a little bit. They had a brother named Lazarus. They're part of the inner circle of Jesus. They, they were part of this team that they had. And uh, before we get to this other encounter that we have with them, we'll start at the beginning and work our way down through it. And, and so this is, the, Jesus is giving some important teachings that are leading up to it. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Let's start there. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the what are few? The labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Now, I, I'll be honest, that is a word that we're not crazy about, but it's in there, okay? It's work. It's labor. 
It's not just a matter of coming to church and worshiping God. He said, I need to send out labors. I need you to get up and go and do and work and bring in the harvest because that's how it happens. And by the way, that, that physical illustration that he was using of the harvest, they were like, oh, that's vital. That's important because we don't have laborers bringing it in. Everybody's going to starve to death. So that's an illustration that they fully understood. And then he shows it in action. Verse 33, he shows the good Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, verse 33, as he, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him. And he bound up his words. That, that's that labor that he's talking about. Pouring oil on him. That's sacrifice and wine on him. And he set him on his own beast. That's personal sacrifice right there. That's serving others. And he brought him to an inn. And he took care of him. That's what Jesus was saying. This is important. This is important for us to do. And you say, man, I know what it means to serve others. I know the importance of giving up myself and sacrificing all those other stuff. But then Jesus finishes this chapter about visiting Martha's house. It's, it's, it's this cool transition. You're thinking, oh, we're going to change subjects. Actually, we're not really changing subjects at all. It's all the same thing. Jesus is coming to Martha's house. Now, Jenny can check with me on this as, as I'm talking about this. Uh, sometimes it can be a little nerve-wracking when you have people coming to visit your house. You ladies know what I'm talking about. And Jenny is, I've gone to Jenny before and I've said, hey, we've got people coming over. Let me help you clean. And she says, you can help me by taking the kids and leaving the house. And I'm like, I can't really help you if I'm not here to give all of my talents and my abilities to be able to help you clean the house. And she said, Tony, let me explain it like this. Um, your clean and my clean are not the same clean. And, and I, I didn't understand that because I think my clean's pretty, pretty great. Um, but she was explaining that our, we have two different types of clean. And, and the thing is, when I clean, and she's saying this, when I clean for company, I clean differently than I clean all the other times. And, and you can imagine, Martha is cleaning the house for Jesus. Now, I know how it is. I'm just being real. When we're cleaning, we have people coming over. There are certain rooms we just shut the door. You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's the utility room. Maybe it's the back room. Maybe it's the bedroom. All the laundry goes in there. But man, when you have Jesus coming over, he can see your dirty laundry. There's no door you can shut. He knows about it. He knows where you hit all that stuff at. And Martha's like, this has to be perfect. Man, this is for Jesus. Man, I'm, I mean, she had it all planned out. She goes to her sister, I need you to come over. What's going on? I have Jesus coming to the house. I'll be there, sis. You got, got your back. We're going to do this together. Man, it's a big deal. Having guests is one thing. Having Jesus, that's a whole different thing. Verse 38, now when it came to pass, as they went, they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha and received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And then Jesus shows this comparison. It's like, here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Where's Martha? Oh, let me show you. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister have left me alone to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Can we pray? God, as I get into this, I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts of what is so important. And Lord, I know that life changes and culture changes. 
Lord, I know that I, I am speaking to people that are online in their homes. I, I know I'm speaking to people that are sitting in this room right now that are tapped out. And Lord, I know that it's, it's frustrating because you can't set what you're, down, you're doing down, but there's so much to do. Lord, help us to learn from you. Lord, help us to realize what is so important. Lord, help us to understand what your priorities are for our lives. Help us, Lord, to, to grow from what we're learning and to be changed from this encounter with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You talk about being excited. Jesus comes in and the, all the crowd obviously runs and sits at the feet of Jesus. That's a cool thing to happen. Now, let me, let me illustrate this a couple ways as we do this. So Jesus comes in and the Bible talks about him sitting and then Martha's still working and obviously there was guests and Mary runs and she sits at the feet of Jesus. I mean, that's a cool thing to do. I don't know if, I, if, if Jesus was there, I'm like, hey, I want to be over here. That's exciting to sit down in here. Where's Martha? Oh, Martha's still busy, by the way. Martha's cumbered about with much. She, she, she still didn't mix the check mix together, and that's important to put on the table. And she's got the, you know, the pigs in the blanket are still in the oven, and she's watching that. And the doorbell keeps running, ringing, so she's over there for that. And then she's like, oh, I, 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 I totally forgot to put out this. And she's, she, she's cumbered about with much business. She, she is busy doing everything. And the whole time she's doing this, she's eyeing her sister. You know what I'm saying? She's putting the stuff together and she's just glaring at her sister, like giving her, you, guys, you ladies know what I'm talking about. You don't say anything, but you give that certain look that you guys have and you're going to deny it, but I know it's there. I've, I've, it's the look you can feel, okay? And it's like, uh, you, you, you know, Mary's down there doing everything and Martha's obviously rotating around her doing all these things and, you, and, and she keeps eyeing her. You can hear the tone in her voice when she addresses Jesus and the Bible says she was cumbered about the word cumbered about means to drag all around or distract. You know what I'm saying? Here's Jesus. There's Mary at the feet of Jesus. And, and here's, she's over here. She's at the door. It says all about. She's cumbered about. She's drug about. I've got to get this done. I've got to put this over there. I forgot about this. The kids have to be picked up. Oh man, I totally forgot I told my husband. I totally forgot I told my wife. Totally forgot to, that level I just can't. I can't do this. So the, the same definition means distracted. More than distracted, it means to be pulled away from what is important. Again, Jesus. It's Jesus. Punch bowl, Jesus. He said punch bowl's not mentioned. You've got to look in the Greek, okay? It's in there. And serving bad... No. <laughs> you guys were almost like, I don't know how to answer that. This is a setup. Jesus just taught the chapter 10 about serving him. I mean, we need to be serving him. Serve the Lord, serve to others. You think about what Jesus was saying with the Good Samaritan. You think about the whole point of things. Like, go to them. Man, the world is filled with wounded people. The world is filled with people that are just like that. That, that if you don't go and pick them up, if you don't give of yourself, they're going to die. 
When you talk about pressure, that, that's a lot of pressure. It's like, man alive. And, and the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan is the story of our lives. Every day during the Christmas season, every day when we're going to work, every day that you're going through the neighborhood and the friends and things, there's those people that are all around us that need us, need us, need us. It is vital. Martha makes a bold move. Verse 39, Mary, which also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. There's Mary. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me alone to serve? Bid her, make her, command her, therefore, that she should help me. Now, you guys just paint this picture, okay? Here's Jesus speaking words of life. I mean, we're not just saying that Jesus was just, it says, and she heard his word. Those people are sitting at the feet of Jesus. We're hearing encouragement from the word of God. They're hearing about creation. They're hearing about how much God loves them. They're hearing about how, how, how it's strength. You, you have the strength that will mount up on wings of eagles and soar in life. And the fact that God gives us all that. And Mary's sitting there going, I need this. I need this. I need this. And Martha felt like she was so right in what she was doing and feeling, that she had the right to interrupt the Son of God to make him make her get up and do something else. You say, I would never do that. It's amazing what anxiety will drive you to do. It's amazing when you're stressed out what you'll say to your kids that you normally would not say to your kids. It's amazing how you respond to your wife that you would normally not because you have that pressure of what you had at work or you have the pressure of what you have to get done at home or you have a deadline or whatever it is. It's amazing. I don't know, we don't want to talk about it, but it's true. When we live in a world of anxiety, it, it pushes us to a level that we can't control. We snap. We get irritated. We lose our joy. Martha had no joy being with Jesus. Do you guys get that? Jesus was in the house, and Mary was enjoying it, and Martha was not enjoying being with Jesus. Martha was upset. What are the lessons that we're learning from this encounter with Jesus? Number one, we need to be called out. We need to be called out. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Jesus calls her out. You say, why does Jesus do that? Because he cares. Now, you can imagine, here's Jesus teaching, giving words of life, changing lives. Man, he's speaking this. And the Bible says that his word will not return void. And he turns and is like, you're interrupting me. And Jesus then turns his attention this way to Martha to call her out. Literally, I'm going to keep teaching, but I'm going to fix something that is not right. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? God calls us out through his word. God calls us out through preaching. God calls us out through conviction to change what is not working. Because Jesus is not okay when we're so strung out in life that we lose our joy for what matters most. It's not okay with Jesus. Jesus calls her out because he cares Martha was so confident that she was doing the right thing with this. But notice how he responds. He says, Martha, Martha. I mean, says her name twice. It was almost like, hey, hey. You, you know, when you're trying to get like, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Calm down. 
I need you to listen to me for just a minute. You can imagine how he's addressing her in this loving way. But Jesus in this moment begins to pull out, call out her condition. Here's her condition. Number one, Jesus confronts her anxiety. The word thou art careful and troubled about many things. The word careful means to be anxious about. It's an all-encompassing. To have a lot of care for the things that are around you or too much care for the things around you. It means to take thought. We know what that means when you're doing things and your thought level is like, man, my mind is in so many different directions that I can't even focus on anything. Have you guys ever had that where you have so many things that you're going through your mind that you're you're not thinking the right direction? That can be really bad. Uh, we, We drove, we did a family trip to Pittsburgh. It was night. We were, if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, there's a lot of tunnels and things like this. And I was driving around, and I was talking. I was trying to look at something, looking at a direction, and then I just made a left turn right into oncoming traffic. I know it was bad. It was dumb. My kids were, like, screaming. It woke them up. It made the evening fun. But anyways, they didn't think so. But all of a sudden, I realized from me being distracted that I did something that I normally wouldn't do. You're overwhelmed with things. You can see in verse 40, Jesus is just describing what she was doing. It says, Martha was cumbered about with much serving. She's all over the place. And all over the place was literally in that instant describing her as being anxious. I can't do this. And you go to this place, and the Bible's saying she's cumbered about. She goes to this place and like, oh, it's like, oh, now what? You know, there's no like, oh, great. You know, that part was gone. It wasn't a matter of her being joyous with what she was doing. She was stressed out with what she was doing. So what does this look like in life? I know it's, it, for all of us, different. But I'll tell you, in a lot of our American culture right now, we allow things to be added to us when we run from one thing to the next constantly. I'm just saying that's how we are. It's, it's just, you know, one of my favorite things about having Thanksgiving, do you know what, and everybody was like, the turkey and the pumpkin pie and all this. It is a day that I don't leave the house. It is one of the only days in my life, besides maybe Christmas, that I don't leave the house. You know, I mean, back in the day when they had farmers and things like that, they'd be like, I haven't left the house in a week. Well, that's not true. In our culture today, we run all day long. I have on my phone a Google Calendar. I didn't want to switch to an iPhone because they didn't have widgets before that would bring my calendar and scroll it all the way before me. You know why? Because I live off that thing. I've got to be here. I've got to do this. This to do, that is how we live our lives, constantly. Oh, man, I miss, oh, man, I'm late. Oh, man, and we are, we're covered about with much. And you don't, you want to know where anxiety comes from? It comes from the fact that we max out. Here's the words that come out of our lives. I'm so overwhelmed. I just can't do this. Maybe that's the last words you say to your spouse as you're falling off the sleep. I just can't do this. I can't do one more day. I can't wake up to one more day of this. I wish this would all just go away, but it doesn't just leave it there. It says, thou art careful, thou art anxious and troubled. Jesus is confronting her attitude. The word troubled means uproar or clamor because the thing is, when you have that kind of anxiety on the inside, it doesn't stay there. You want to prove it? Jesus, can you make her get up? Have you, have you ever been like that? Man, you, you, people at work or whatever, it's like, can you? Snapping, there's no joy, there's no passion, there's no excitement, there's no sweet spirit, there's no time for others. Let me, let me be a little transparent. There are some things 
Now, don't get mad at me, and I promise this is going to go viral because I'm going to make a statement. Everybody's going to take it the wrong way. There has been good that has come out of COVID-19. All things work together for good to them that love God. And one thing that I thought was really good that COVID did for us was like, stop. Stop. I don't know how to stop. Actually, I'm sitting there when they were like canceling church, canceling Easter drama, canceling all this other stuff. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. It's like, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know how to function. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to act in this situation. I don't know how to stop. Because before COVID, I'm just being honest. Man, I'd get here at 6.30 in the morning and, and get my notes together and doing different things. And I'm running here and I'm running there and I'm, I'm doing this. And I'm watching the clock because I have to be on the stage and I have to get my mic and I have to do this check with this. And I have to make sure my table's set out and I have to do this. And, and I'm just there. And here's all these people all around. And I'll tell you what, sometimes we can be in the house with Jesus and not make it about Jesus. You guys hear me? Sometimes we can be smack in the house with the one giving the words of life and changing us. And by the way, this, the source of where strength comes from, and we're so cumbered about with much business that I walk out of church, and I'm just being honest, I've walked out of church some days more worn out than I did when I got there. And so you are the pastor. I know that. <laughs> not, not coming here to take naps. I get that. But I'm saying about what God has created it to be. Martha was bitter towards Mary. Our culture has changed so much that it has put us into a mode that anxiety and depression and frustration and running and and flows into our marriages and our kids and our parenting and everything else, and it has just become norm. But by the way, can I just say this? When Jesus is sitting there saying, that might be normal, but I'm going to address it because God is countercultural. I don't care what culture does. I don't care what direction they know. I don't care if it is normal for things to creep into our culture and ruin our marriages and run you all day long. Jesus was just like in that situation and say, it's not right. And by the way, you're not going to pull her away from this because this is important. We need to be called out. Number two, we must have our priorities in order. Let me tell you, Jesus came to save us. He came to change us. He came to give us joy. He came to give us life. He came to, the, yeah, he said, I'm, I have come that you might have life. It's like, oh, that's great. No, 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 no. I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. We settle for anxious, anxiety, strung out, run out all the time, going and going and going and thinking. And Jesus says in verse 41, look, notice this. And Jesus answered and said unto Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Thought continues. But one thing is needful. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. Help me with this. I I need you to say this. But one thing is what? Let's say it louder. One thing is what? Needful. Needful. One thing is needful. By the way, who is saying this? Jesus. This isn't just your mom giving you advice. This isn't just the pastor giving out an outline. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that turns turns to Martha and says, this one thing, Martha, Martha, is needful for you. Not an option. Not an add-on. 
not just something you do extra. This one thing is needful for you. It's a requirement. Do you know what the word one thing or the words one thing are, are, are emphasizing? You could put it like this. One thing is a priority. This one thing, Martha, Martha, you need gas in your tank if you're going to run around town all day. This one thing is needful. You can't continue to run on empty. You cannot live that way. This one thing means that it comes first. One thing means it's a main thing. One thing means that it trumps everything else. It's one main thing. It's the beginning thing. Meaning that maybe something else needs to give to make sure that happens. Maybe there's some things that need to be let go to make sure that happens. Something comes first. You cannot run on empty. This one thing is needful. Needful is necessary. It's a requirement. We can leave out certain things out of our Christian walk and wonder why we're so stressed. You say, why? Because Jesus said, oh, by the way, that one thing you left out was needful. Put that in, understand with what we're about to say, Jesus was not just saying, I have some good ideas, or I have a suggestion. Or, you know what's something you could do? He said, no, Martha, Martha, this one thing is absolutely must be in your life. When things are not working, we lose our joy and we lose our focus and we lose our passion and we lose sight of people. Could be because we took the one thing out of our life. And when we do, we end up troubled, frustrated, and filled with anxiety. But one thing is needful, Mary. And Mary has chosen that good part. What was the good part that Jesus chose or Jesus was telling them to do? Where was Mary? What was Mary doing? Verse 39 again. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. She sat at the feet of Jesus. So let me illustrate it like this, okay? I, I'm a visual person, so we've got our chair. But let me show you Martha. So... Here is a, they're getting ready for the thing. This can represent so many things in your life. But in that situation, I don't know if they had stuff like this, but we're going to make it do, okay? So you can imagine uh, Mary coming over the house and, you know, it's like, oh, this is so exciting. Where'd you get this? Oh, I love this tea. Did you make your favorite? Oh, Jesus is going to love those. Everybody loves your whatever. Like, so excited about this thing. And then here she is. She's there. Jesus is here. I need this. Mary was like, Martha, I love you as my sister. I I need this. Because Mary chose that good part. She understood where she was at. She understood that I have to have this. The Bible says that she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. What was Jesus saying that was needful? Here's what Jesus was saying was needful. We we must make a priority to sit and rest. Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. This is hard for us, okay? I'm just being real. Because we're cumbered about with whatever your job is, Facebook, sports, Whatever you've added to your life, and we're cumbered about, this, this is us. And sometimes this is us on Sundays. And Jesus is in the house. I came here. This is all about you. Thank you for being here. This is all about you. But you know what we're doing? We're cumbered about with much things. 
I don't know, sometimes if it just crept into the church because of that is the, in their culture, that all I knew to do is run. All I knew to do is serve. All I know that, 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 that people need me. And this is, I'm a giver. I'm a giver. That's what I do. I give of myself. But Jesus points out what Mary did. And Mary goes, I am a giver and I do this. But right now I need to do this. I need to stop. I need to sit. It's something that God gave us to do. We get so distracted. Stressed and busy. Stressed and busy. Man, that's a theme of America. Stressed and busy. I wonder if Jesus in our lives was like, I want to teach the church something through COVID. I want to teach you something. You're missing out on a lot of things. You're missing out on your kids growing up. You're missing out on relationships and things. And man, I hate, can I just say I hate social distancing? Is that bad for me to say? I know it's needful. I know why we do it, whatever. But I'm saying in my heart, I miss hugging people. I miss shaking hands. I miss having parties. I miss engaging in this. But maybe, maybe through this, God allowed some of this to be separated just for us to acknowledge what I'm missing so much. What is so important and so vital in life. We don't take time for it. The Bible says in Genesis 2-2, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. Do you know why God rested on the seventh day? Because God was tired. Does that make sense? Did I just say something wrong? You guys can call me out. Say, God doesn't get tired. You're absolutely right. Our God does not get tired. You know what he was doing? He was setting an example for us that does get tired. He was establishing time. He was establishing a, a, a process. He was establishing this is how life works. You were created by God to take time in your life to not serve. To not serve. To not run, to not go, to not do, to not please others. And only please one person. See, it wasn't just about sitting. It takes you to the next point. We must make a priority for time to focus on Jesus. You see, I, I, I could use even serving. I, I've got a better illustration that I could probably, oh man. You talk about distraction. Sometimes it's good things. Maybe it's making dinner. Maybe it's running around all the time and stuff like that. But maybe our distraction is when we have Jesus is more of this. And we have him, and we're so distracted from what we're doing. Do you realize what Jesus was teaching through this? That the bowl or the, 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 the serving can represent so many different things in our lives. Maybe even at church, it can be teaching a class or running a camera. It could be greeting people at the door. It's all these different things that we can be doing. It's so many different things. But what was Mary doing? Did you realize the description that it says literally at his feet? Mary was like, I don't, I, I don't have time for that right now. The feet of Jesus was literally representing the worship in his presence. I mean, literally, that, that soul attention that I block out everything else right now, and there's only one thing that matters right now. And Martha, I don't care how many glares you give me. I don't care how you look at me. One thing is needful for me right now, and that is to be right here at the feet of my God. 
How many, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you guys on the spot. How many of you guys, I don't care how long you've been married, you guys do date nights with your wife? Raise your hand. All right. For the rest of you, I just started a fight when you get to the car, so you're welcome, okay? Uh, I, I, I will send Jenny a text, and I do. And I'm not saying this to brag on myself or anything like that, but I, 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 will, I will schedule date nights. And you know what's weird about that? You say, why are you scheduling date nights with your wife? Don't you live with her? I'm like, yeah, we do dinner every single night. I mean, we, we, we have this plan and this routine of the things that we do. But a date night is a time out of the week. You guys, listen to me. A time out of the week where I am setting aside work. I'm setting aside all the other things to sit and focus on something. You know why church is so important for us to do? You know, you know why the gathering of God's together and the encouragement of God, what to do? It, it, and you say, I can worship God anywhere. And you should. The same way that you, I, can, I can spend time with my wife anywhere. Absolutely. All the time. Dinner and everything. But there's times that we set aside. Push everything else aside. We put it all aside for one focus. That this moment right here in my life. Then I'm going to do, I'm going to sing, I'm going to read, I'm going to pray, I'm going to make decisions, I'm going to focus on God. What was Mary doing? She was not focused on serving. She's not worried about the guest. She was focused on Jesus. Verse 42, this one thing, this one thing is needful. Jesus points to one sitting at his feet and says, this is it. It says in verse 39, and sat at his feet and heard his word. See, we must make a priority to hear his word. See, through hearing the word of Jesus Christ, you say, what is the one thing? It's, it's, it is the sitting. And I think just the aspect of stopping is important. I mean, that's, the rest is important. To focus is important. This one thing that I'm doing right now is important. But to hear the words of God are so important. Have you ever thought why... We come and we, as Christians, we, we will drive down the road and listen to preaching and all this other stuff. But the one thing that God called us to assemble together of what we're doing today was so important. To grow and be renewed. Let me give you another passage, one that you guys know very well. You could probably quote this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what that description is, is being satisfied. It's actually the opposite of anxiety. I've got things taken care of. Why is that? Well, the second verse goes into this. He maketh me to lie down. Sheep are dumb. Do you guys know that? That's why we, I know that's not the greatest illustration, but it is true. Jesus said, you guys are like sheep. You know, we're all, all gone astray and everything. Sheep are dumb. He said, I have to make them rest. I, I, he maketh me to lie down. And get back. All right, we're going to stop. Lay down, lay down, lay down. You guys, because you know why? Because in order to keep going, you need to stop and rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. You know what that is? He's going to take you to a place to give you what you need so that you can keep going. You need to make time in your life to sit at the feet of Jesus to get what you need in your life so that you can keep going. Because you can't keep running on empty. He maketh me. You know what the very next words of it that he says in verse 3? He restoreth my soul. Do you know what church would look like if we had a church full of people that have had been restored in their strength? 
You know what the Bible does? The Bible says, the world doesn't get this, but in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but to, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And I'm not saying this about myself, and sometimes when I say, you need to come to church and hear preaching, you're like, wow, that's kind of vain. <laughs> it's like, everybody come here, Tony. You know, it's like, I'm not making a big deal out of myself. It's not about me. It's about the message, not the messenger. And by the way, if you ever go to a church that doesn't make it about the message and makes it about the messenger, get out of that church. If they're not saying, turning your Bibles before he starts preaching, you need to get out of that church. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that to be scriptural. It's all about the word of God. It's about the edifying of the saints through the word of God. He says in that passage, for the preaching of the cross to them that foolish, to to the world is foolish, but to us which are saved is the power of God. The word of God breathes life, it speaks to hearts, it brings conviction, it renews the spirit of God. What we're doing right now is needful for us. It is a requirement for us to sit, to hear, to rest, to not serve. I want to be the answer to the church. I want the church to be the answer to the world. And I think about it is we're a growing issue of what's going on in this world and how complex we've gotten. You guys know the world is going. Cell phones were supposed to make life easier. I think it really made life more complicated, isn't it? It's amazing how that is. But let me think even, let me pull this into an illustration and and kind of switch gears with this a little bit. Back in the day, things were not this, this complex. I'm not saying that to complain about where we're at today because God has us, listen to this, God has us for such a time as this. Do you guys understand this? And sometimes it breaks my heart when we say, I just wish it could be like it was. Let me give you an illustration. An old-fashioned church. You, you take this visual of this old-fashioned church, and a lot of people were like, oh, man, those were the simple days. And, man, everybody would just go there, and they'd sing the songs, and, they, and you'd sit there and say it was simpler days. Those were simpler days. Can I just be real and honest with you? That's not the day that we live in today. And I know that breaks us hard to say, man, I just wish it was. It's just not. And by the way, it never will be again. The same way that I could sit there and say, I loved it when my kids were one, three, and five. And somebody has to wake me up and say, well, Tony, they're not. (laughs) My kids are driving cars and having jobs and going off to college. I mean, that's the reality of what it is. But I know that I have to understand that I have to be the best dad for where my kids are today. We need to be the best church for where God has had us today. And I think back into those day and age that they were so simple because they would gather into one room, they would sit, focus, and hear. That was their Sunday. Well, what happened is time goes by and things get complicated. Life got complicated. We began to add things to church because we had to because we're meeting the needs of today. We have special needs ministry. You know why? Because special needs is a, a thing that has grown, and, and it's still growing need. We, we have camera crews right now sitting right there. We have people up there pushing buttons and putting us on Facebook Live. You know why? Because in this day and age right now, we have COVID, and not everybody can be here. And I want to extend the gospel to them to where they're at, and God's given us the technology. That church didn't have cameras in COVID. They didn't have sanit- hand sanitizer at the door, just a different day and age. We have security team watching things as we're in here. You know why? Because it's the day and age in which we live. We have it because I want to be the best that we can be for this day and age. 
We have ushers and check-in and kids have to be checked out. You know why? Because we want to be safe because that's the day and age in which we live. We, we have a police officer, Bob, that will go out there and direct traffic to get everybody in and get everybody out. I don't know if that church had that, but that's okay because they were being the best church that they needed to be to reach the culture that they were reaching. Prayer teams, counseling, children's ministries, children's directors, people that greet people at the door and walk them into the buildings. These are needed to be effective ministry today for what God has called us. It takes a team. It takes an army. And by the way, can I just point something out right here? You know what you guys are all doing looking at me right now? You're sitting. You're focused. And you're hearing. Do you know why you get to do that? Because somebody else, somewhere else, is doing this. You're welcome. Somebody's watching your kids. Somebody's doing junior church. There's people walking around our buildings to keeping us secure. There's people at the doors. There's greeters. There's camera people. There's people on Facebook Live right now. We have all these people that are out doing all these things. And you say, why are they doing that? It's needed. It's needed. It doesn't make it more important than that. But if we want to do this, we have to have people doing that. If we have people doing this, it's a requirement to do that. If we, do you, does that make sense? I'm not making this up. This isn't even my idea. This is what God's laying out for us. See, it's not just a matter of sitting. It's a matter of being healthy because the more you sit, the more you're renewed, the more you get up and not being in a bad attitude to do what you're doing, but you're renewed to be embracing what you're doing because you're excited because you've already been fed and renewed. You've already laid down. You've already been renewed in your spirit to be able to do the best that you can be doing over here. I'll tell you what has happened is in our culture today, a lot of times Sundays are not a day of rest. You say, well, now COVID has changed a lot of things. I know things. But it used to not be. I, I remember when we would dismiss from Sunday school and people would dart to the next location. We, we all, almost needed like traffic lights in there because we had to get the choir and doors and all those different things that we did. See, Martha was probably a good example of how most churches operate in our culture today. It's been such a burden on me for a long time of this because of the fact is, this is important. Our worship is important. It's, both of these things are important. And I think sometimes that people, the more people realize that they need this, and I'll just be honest, some people come from other churches and they'll come in here and they were so busy with that at their former church that they get into our church and they're like, don't, 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 don't ask me to serve. I haven't been able to sit with my wife in two years in a service, and I just need this. By the way, they're right, because they do need this. But what happens is now this person volunteers two and three and four weeks in a row, because a lot of people that are literally, let me tell you, the culture today is a lot of people come limping in the church. They don't just go to church. They've had strung out weeks. They're cumbered about with much business at work and school and everything else. They are worn out and the idea of just being able to sit in a spot with your wife and hear the word of God is almost a dream for some people. And you're thinking, how can it be a dream when it's a matter of God has taught us that it's not just an option or something that's suggested for us to sit, but it should be a priority. Through the study of God's word and the laying on of my heart and meeting with leadership, I want to continue having two morning services way after COVID's done. You say, why? 
They're both needed. And if I have it to where I can only have the option for people to be able to sit and everybody else has to serve, I rob them. And if I have it to where people are serving and they can't have the chance to sit, then I'm not doing the one thing that is needful for them. I am robbing them. I am robbing them. If I start taking these things off and not having this, then I'm not being the best pastor for this day and age. Does that make sense? How how do I take off special? Our church isn't doing special needs anymore. Our our church isn't going to do choir anymore. Our church isn't going to say, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. We need these things. We do need these things. Why? Because we need to reach the culture today. But at the same time, I can't rob them from this. You say, well, we didn't have two services before. Do you realize that the way that culture has changed, it's almost put us into this. And I I think if if we're going to be a culture that is biblically based, not traditionally based, I'm talking about biblically based, of understanding that this one thing is needful for you. Well, let me give you some reasons. And I'm going in the practical and I'll wrap this up. Two morning service. Number one, it, it is needful to meet the ministry needs and still meet our own spiritual needs. It's needful. A lot of times, even when we rotate and we're trying to preach through things and the wife is over there and the husband is sitting in church and then the husband goes over to serve the next week, they can't even talk about what they learned in church. There's no continuity. Even to do a sermon series, and I turned to this page right here, it's like, I missed that because I was over there. Well, I need to be over there. And somebody called in. To meet the both needs, there has to be both options. Is it weird that I have a vision to where we can have a church where a husband and wife can go sit, both sit down in service and hear the word of God and sing together? Is that weird? 20 years ago, 50 years ago, they would have been like, well, of course, that's what families do. No, no, not in 2020. That's not what families do. Because I have a family in the back ushering and I have the other one over in junior church and I have the other one standing at the door and I have the other one standing out in the parking lot for security. That's the culture that we have. And by the way, if we're going to make this, I'm asking every department, every church member, everybody that's doing here to make it a priority because Jesus said this is needful for you to sit there and say, yes, I'm going to serve and I'm going to pick priority to sit. I can't police you. I can't go after you. I want people to be in security. I want people doing these things. But I need you to choose that good part to say that I need to be in church to be renewed Number two, this, this is another reason, but it creates space for us to grow in our different areas of our church because we're, in, we're able to use this space twice. Nursery and kids ministry, parking lot and lobbies and all these other things. Number three, it creates a worship service of option to fit people's schedule of today. We have people today that have to be at work at 1230. Well, guess what? If that's you right now, you're looking saying, he's being long-winded today. I've got to go. And the reality is, in the culture that we're at, my main goal is to be able to offer options where people can come in the morning or come later and still receive the word of God. You know why? It's needful for them. It's important. This one thing, this one thing, this one thing. Also, it creates a platform to train and disciple all generations. I, I, I want to see kids and teenagers or teenagers will be able to sit in here. I, I love the fact that right now up at our, our sound booth, we, we have teenagers running the things. We have young people. We have emerged people. We have college students doing that. You know, why? If we don't train the next generation, we won't have a next generation. One of the big things that we've dropped the ball on through the generations of the years is discipleship. It's not just about what I do. It's who I pass it down to. 
It's a matter of putting my arm around somebody while I serve. But let me tell you this, if you're serving and you put your arm around somebody, if that's my kid, you're pulling them out of there and I'm gonna fight you over that because it is needful for my kid to hear the preaching of the word of God. Can I, be, can I be transparent about something that really bothered me? Me and Jordan were having a heart-to-heart about something, nothing bad. It was just we were going back and forth and talking about something. It was just something that we went. And I said, I'm actually preaching on this Sunday. I'd love to hear your perspective afterwards. It's weird when your dad's the pastor, okay? And so I got out to the car, and I sat down with Jordan, and I said, all right, so what did you think? I was thinking about what? I said, well, what I was saying today. Oh, Dad, I was pulled out into junior church, and I wasn't able to hear the message today. Can I be honest? I was mad that he went to junior church. So you shouldn't be mad at that. Your kid was serving. It was, but that was needful for him. I want a generation of young people that are going to leave here to start other churches and be pastors and leaders and missionaries. But I'll tell you what, I've got to teach them this and teach them that. That is a priority for us as a church. You guys get that? It is a priority. I'm not in this for today. I'm in this for the future. I'm not just trying to exist. I want to soar as a church. I'm not worried about who's president. I'm worried about obeying God's word. We're going to move forward and we're going to make a difference and we're going to make disciples and we're going to train people and we're going to sit and we're going to worship. And I don't care what culture says. I don't care what becomes popular. I want times where people say, today I'm not doing anything except sitting here and hearing the word of God. And I've had it in times past. To be honest, just listen to me. I'd get to the end of a message and I'm pouring my heart out and I'm thinking, man, God work in this. And I say, bow your heads and close your eyes. And 25, 35 people get up and head to the door. You know why? They have to greet. They have to drive a bus. They have to get the junior church. They have to do valet parking. They have to, they have to, they have to, they have to. And I'm thinking, God, have we gotten so busy that we can't even have time to pray? Have we gotten so busy that we can't respond to the word of God? And then I get in there and say, well, if I do that, I don't know how to do this. And how am I going to do that? And how am I going to do this? And you know what God said to me? Make the main thing the main thing. Make the priority at the beginning. Stop and get gas first, Tony. Stop and get gas. Don't expect your church to serve and give of their time and give of their family and rob them from being able to sit with their own spouse or their kids. Rob them from being able to walk out of church and just say, man, I learned this today. What did you learn? I don't know I was serving today. You shouldn't, no, you should. I don't know. It's finished. Verse 42, but this one thing is needful. Mary, she chose that good part. Imagine Jesus saying, She chose it. You didn't choose it. But Jesus, this is so important. I'm not saying, Mary, that it's not Martha, it's not important. I'm not saying that. But you need to put the main thing, the main thing. You need to put your priorities in order. Lord, make her get up. Make her get up. Bid her, Lord, to serve with me. Mary had chosen this good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Do you hear the passion in Jesus' voice? I'm not taking, I'm not taking this away from her. Because to live a life of anxiety and running and never stopping and never being refreshed is not, is not what he called us to. 
We can be the church. We can be the generation. We can be the, the ambassadors of Christ to say, there is a better way to live. There's a right way to live. There's a way that is godly and a way that is wholesome. And to raise up a generation that wants to serve God and want to have moral relationships and want to date right and do right in their lives. But I'll tell you right here, it's not in the power of a Baptist church. It's not in the power of a parking lot. It's not in a choir. It is in a, the word of God. Nothing trumps this. Nothing pushes this out of our lives. No sports, no program, nothing in our lives should ever come more important than the preaching and the receiving of the word of God. Because I hold in my hands the words of life. It will transform you. It will help you. So yes, Jesus said, I will not remove her from this because she needs this. I know I put a lot on you. You're saying, Tony, Okay, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. How are we? What? I know that. It's been my life for months now. God has a plan. And every day we're working through and praying through it because I'm not giving up on discipleship. I'm not giving up on the teaching of God's word. I'm not giving up. I'm not all these other things, but I know this. I'm going to make the main thing the main thing. 